0: Mike Jones, how does it feel to be on my podcast for the first time ever?
1: Good, really good. It's funny because I've seen so many of them from the other side uh-huh. and the like from the ideation stage of like when you were just coming up with how to do this and now we're all the way here. It's been how long? Almost. It's been over a year, year and a half?
0: Mm-hmm. A year and a half. A year and a half wild. and I'm
1: now in front of the camera.
0: I know. I didn't
1: actually ever expect to be here.
0: Well, I'm I'm so happy to have you. You are the third man that I've ever had. Third? (laughs) Yeah. So it's Connor. Connor and my friend Jake.
1: Connor, Jake, and me.
0: And you, yeah.
1: So I'm going to go with this one. So the first guy I ever had, Connor, I remember watching the four versions of that (laughs) podcast. Oh my God. There are at least four (laughs) versions of the Connor Jenna podcast (laughs) And they vary in degrees of how much alcohol we drank prior to the recording of it.
0: It's really funny, too, because Connor doesn't drink, like, at Uh, all. So the first time that we recorded the podcast, this was going to be, like, one of my first podcast episodes ever. And we were were still in the talking phase, but, like, kind of exclusive. Figuring it out. Yeah. And I remember during that, we're laying... Well, I'm sitting... That was the
1: most awkward... So position weird. that y'all decided to film that in
0: I mean throwback to when I first started the podcast I would record on my bed yes and I would just sit there with my blue Yeti microphone we've <laughs> leveled up since then I'm very proud of my you know transformation yeah. but I'm sitting there and he's like laying across the bed feet directly in front of like, yeah the camera like at one point his toe probably pops up <laughs> And it it got, like, kind of intimate. Yeah. And then there was a time where he asked me a question. I was like, yeah, I do love you. And then I'm like, oh, my God, did I just say I love him? Yeah. For the first time on a podcast?
1: There was – it was like y'all were really going through some dynamics of your relationship at that moment.
0: Yeah. It was um – um it was a little too intimate for the public, and j- yes, and you guys one, that were that like, one got burned. Yeah, you, know, you guys were like, "Are you sure?" Yeah. And So I still have that one clip actually yeah. sitting on my desktop, and who knows, maybe someday it'll be shared for the world. And then the second one, we're like, we need to make it a little bit, you know, have
1: more fun. That was the thing; it was so serious because y'all were. It was, you know, it actually probably have been a really good podcast because. Yeah. It was like being able to watch two people really like y'all were falling in love with each other at that time. <laughs> and so it was like two people falling in love that weren't sure yet if they were going to be like,
0: Oh my gosh. Well, the second one, it was more so about like I'll career just, and business. It was, yeah. it was like a very formal interview. Yeah. It was very, horrible. like we went from here
1: <laughs> to here. She's like, well, well, we'll shoot it. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll focus up a little bit more. And then it was like, Super stiff.
0: And then you guys are like, maybe you should loosen up a little bit. Yeah. So, of course, then we go to Connor's, and that's when we had like two bottles of wine. We took a shot of vodka. Like, what? Yeah. He just had random bottles of Smirnoff in his apartment.
1: Throughout the podcast, like more empty bottles are just showing up around.
0: It's so embarrassing. I've posted like some clips of it, yeah. but I just want to envision what you and Hannah and Santino were thinking when you're watching it back because I'm mortified.
1: So I remember, so Tino usually, Santino, I call him Tino, is the first one that sees it. And so I remember he calls me and he's like, dude, you, you need to watch the raw, <laughs> the raw footage of this. He's like, I'm not sure I should continue editing it. And I said, yeah, well, what's wrong? Like, I, he's like, just, just turn it on. Yeah, like, so, this like is a liability. And so, like, out the gate, I started watching. The first, like, two or three minutes, I was like, nothing's wrong here. <laughs> and then I went to, like, one of the last clips. I was like, yeah, I now see. We drink it. Like, progressively throughout it. It, was, throughout
0: it. it was really bad. Yeah. Um, the fourth time was a charm. But anyways, fourth you and I, we will only take one take, I promise. Love it. I'm seasoned now. I'm ready to go. You are.
1: You're, what, what number is this?
0: This is technically going to be number 70, I believe. 70. Or 71.
1: Just Depending depends. on when it goes out.
0: Exactly. Cool. But this will be one of the last episodes of the year. So I had to Sweet. get you on here before I take a little break in January. A
1: Christmas break.
0: Exactly. So you guys, Mike is kind of my manager, kind of. Kind of? Yeah. I don't know. So I know Mike as like the backbone of J1S, which is the management company that I've been signed to since... Yep. February of 2021, they've helped me with all of my social media stuff, and you guys came to me in summer 2020 when I had. And you
1: just ghosted us.
0: I did. I ghosted you.
1: I remember that you were. You took your phone call. I still remember it. This is crazy how long ago this was. I know. It's, yeah, because we you took the phone call while going on a walk mm-hmm. um, in Austin. Yeah. And I thought the call went well. Like you, you seemed really into it, but you were still at TikTok.
0: Yeah. And so. I remember at the time I had like 70,000 followers on mm-hmm. TikTok. I was like growing really rapidly at that time. And so Mike and his wife, Hannah, who's well you started j1s and she,
1: and then she started the talent side of the business yeah and yeah. you guys were
0: just building out the talent side i remember connor was signed to you and yep. then just a couple other people but Our roster
1: wasn't big at that time no
0: and so i had my first call and they were like have you ever thought about working with management like we would handle all of your contracts and work with brands and stuff and i just really was not open to it at the time i was like I'm good. Like, yeah. I don't want to make social media a job because then I won't have fun anymore. And I was really dead set on never wanting to do like social media full time. I I have so many TikTok drafts of me replying to comments saying, "No, I would never do it." And now I'm like, it's "Oh ama- I'm a and, and that's okay.
1: Like, people's <laughs> mindsets changes. There's there's times every day I'm like, I can remember when I was like, I would never do this, and here I am.
0: Yeah, I mean, thank God that I did because it really <sighs> does it did change like the entire past year and a half of my life. So I know Mike from J1S. Yep. But as I've gotten to know Mike over time, here and there, I hear like these random stories about like, oh yeah, I used to live in a Twitter house. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I used to do Twitter and then I did this and yeah. did this. And I feel like Mike has lived a million different lives. And in addition to that, you run a very successful marketing agency. And so I want people to get to know Mike and the people that are behind me and Fun on Weekdays. So go ahead, and introduce awesome. yourself.
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, I, as she said, I'm one of the co-founders here. Me and my wife co-founded J1S. Um, we didn't, I started J1S in 2019, Mm -hmm. um, and then Hannah came on and launched the talents at the business in 2020, and so we've been doing it since, and it's, um, it's honestly awesome. It's like, I've always been a builder, and I always wanted to, to make impact, and like, we get to call our jobs in the talent and entertainment sports space (laughs) jobs, and that's just always crazy to think about. I'm sure you feel that way too, Mm -hmm. being a creator, is like... I get to do this every day? Like,
0: yeah, I know. Wow.
1: Um, but yeah, so I uh, I kind of always been in social media. And, and really what's funny was like when I was coming up, I was like 2007, 2008, 2009
0: YouTube. <laughs> Wait, that's like, that's like the 2000s. That's when I was on. Yeah,
1: I was on. So Y2K. Li- so, yeah, no doubt. So I was on like my uh, Mitchell Davis, Live Lava Live, look those people up. I don't even, I, I mean, those were the people that inspired me when I was like, Watching YouTube then there was nothing on YouTube, mm-hmm. super old. And then Twitter was popping off when I was going through my middle school and high school, and so I was a big Twitter guy.
0: Twitter, I think I made my first account when I was in sixth grade. Which mm. first of all I should were not you on have... Tumblr at all? I was, okay. but I didn't post anything. So yeah. I used Tumblr. I used MySpace. Um, MySpace, honestly, I would just copy my older sister's profiles because like, you know, you've how been you...
1: young for MySpace then.
0: Oh yeah. I should not have been on it. Yeah. I was in sixth grade. I was like no more than 11 years old and I had a top 10. So
1: what was, do you remember <laughs> when you had the top 10?
0: I mean it, it, it consisted of like some guys I had crushes on okay. and then like my neighbor Caitlin that I grew up with she was always number one mm. and yeah you know if you were ever mad at one of your friends or you were, like, you'd
1: like move them down
0: Oh yeah you move them down or if you really want to make a statement just move them out completely
1: can so this just sparked this we're going left turn here Do you, <laughs> we're gonna go to OG, OG social features. Do you remember Snapchat's OG like ranking?
0: Oh, like you could see the best friends.
1: That was miserable.
0: That was wild. There was no like, getting around. Girls were
1: watching that scene. Like, is another girl gonna pop up into that top three?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was bad. Like, there were some features that gave us some anxiety as kids.
0: Yeah. Luckily, I had. A boyfriend during that mm. phase you weren't until, you were
1: watching his top three though
0: yeah yeah but i don't think there was ever really a point where he had another girl in it yeah so i think i was good with that <laughs> but again i never really used snapchat i've never been the type really? of person which is interesting because like now i share everything about my life and yeah. i feel like before tiktok before instagram stories snapchat is where you used to share it yep i don't know why i was just never like super into it
1: yeah interesting yeah
0: yeah but yeah. so you're big on Twitter. Yep. This is where you're starting off. Yep. And that's where you kind of grew your love for social media.
1: I did. Yeah. I, I, you know, I got on Twitter. So this was in, you have to remember when Twitter was really coming off, it was like the anonymous meme accounts was yeah. really big at that time. And so I started one, it was called F-Ball Lifestyle. And <laughs> isn't it so like classic? Yeah. It's so cringe that You really wouldn't think about it. Like F-Ball Lifestyle. And I still wear the original wristband here. Oh, F-ball I love that. F-Ball Lifestyle. I've been wearing this for whatever, since then. So we're going on like 10 years. Um, And so I was just putting out like motivational athlete things. Things like I would go through my high school days and just think like, oh, how many more classes until practice? Mm -hmm. And so I would just tweet it. And it took off, and it really grew. And then I was like, okay, maybe all of what I'm saying is like relatable to a larger audience. So I changed it to at Athlete Center. Oh, okay clearly as you said i'm not very creative i just <laughs> literally off sports center and i changed it to athlete center which wasn't the most creative but and that allowed me to tweet more things that like reached male audiences and female audiences and like i think one thing that like really this is funny when i was coming up and growing up i always thought that i had like thoughts in my mind that only i thought about mm-hmm. and things like i do like the cold side of the pillow Yeah, I I do. And so I remember I was reading a tweet one day and they were like, oh, everybody loves this as much as they love the cold side of the pillow. And I was like, oh, my God, other people think that. Yeah. Like other people relate to that. And that was like a spark, as silly as that sounds to, to me to say, like, if I feel a certain way, there's probably a whole group of people that think that way. And so I just started tweeting things that I thought were relatable to like people like myself Mm -hmm. and it grew into a massive audience. Um, And in a lot of ways, I think that's what today's social media is still very much so like. Yeah. I think it was. um, And so it grew into a huge audience and I, I found a way to monetize it. Like everyone kind of does eventually they figure that part out. And I launched a clothing brand called doubt me, watch me through it. And it was a wild run. We, we did a, (laughs) We did it in six countries around the world, and it was acquired within 12 months of it. Wait started. a
0: second. I didn't know that far. Yeah. I just knew that you had the clothing brand. So yeah. I'm picturing like, all right, Mike is packaging orders out of his office and yeah. send it out like I did with my first I thing. did with
1: the wristbands, yep. Oh, my God. Me and my mom would, would, when the wristbands first started, I bought, I used all my allowance. I spent like $10,000 to buy wristbands. Oh, my uh, goodness. All my savings and, and everything I ever had. And I was like, I'm going to buy these wristbands. And I sold out of all of them kind of like you have, and then you just reinvest that, and you just keep it going. Right. And I got really lucky that, like, the direct-to-consumer world, like, we all know now, where brands don't even have retail, Mm -hmm. was just, like, getting popular. And so one of the big fortune, you know, companies came in and was like, hey, there's something here, and they, they took it off my hands when I was in high school.
0: That's so crazy. Okay, so at this point in the story, you are how old?
1: I'm probably 16 or 17.
0: So from the very beginning, you've always had this, like, very business-oriented mindset. Like, okay, what can I do now? And then once that project is off your hands, where did you go? What was the next step?
1: So I was – I've always played sports. I was a wide receiver. I played – I got the chance, luckily, to go play D1 at Southern Miss. Oh. Yeah.
0: Okay. Actually, I just had an application for my assistant position come through some – Really? Yeah.
1: Small world. Uh, A little Hattiesburg, Mississippi, shout-out. Um. Big time there. And that's where me and my wife met. But so I played wide receiver there. And um, oddly enough, I was on playing my freshman fall, had injuries. You can probably see me. I'm not like some future <laughs> NFL star here. I was good enough to get there. And that's a very humbling experience. When you're like one of the best in your high school – and then you go to D one, mm-hmm. you realize really quickly how you're not that good. <laughs> <laughs> like you show up and you're like, okay, I've now been humbled. And so, I, I just didn't have a huge potential. And so Todd Monk, the head coach at the time, he he said he called me in his office one day, and I was super nervous because I'm like, why the why am I being called into the, like his office? I, am I going to get cut from the team? What? Yeah. He's like, hey man, like he's a former NFL you know wide receiver coach. Obviously, the head coach there very successful. He literally looks at me. He's like, "Just so you know, in case you don't know, you're never going to play in the NFL." <laughs> um, and I was like, "Clear today now." Like, okay, and cool, uh, thank you. But the reality is, is that you obviously know a thing or two about digital media, and, mm-hmm. and you built a company. And so he offered me a full time job on the staff. And oh, okay. so I went there and joined the staff at Southern Miss football. Oddly enough, didn't even know that they had those type of jobs. Yeah, and spent the next five years in college football.
0: Okay. And so when did you stop playing football then when you were in school?
1: So I literally dropped off the team. Oh, okay. Yeah. So in high school, I played my whole time, went to Southern Miss freshman fall, played that fall. Then that was it. I dropped out of school. Yeah.
0: You're not going to the NFL, but here's a job. Yeah. Take this. And then (laughs) my mom's,
1: my mom's an educator. And so she was like, wait, you're dropping out of college. Okay. And I was like, yeah, I dropped out of college because oh, right. I can't be a full-time student and a full-time employee.
0: Oh, gotcha. So
1: I had to drop out of college. But then I,
0: interestingly though, because you still stayed at college. So what was that like working at college when you could have been a student? Like how do you not
1: so gray hard, the lines? You know, So hard. I didn't. That was so hard and so weird. And I tell that to Hannah all the time. I. I don't have a college experience yeah people ask me I can't relate to somebody that's like oh frat parties or sorority things or like I don't know any of that because when I was 18 years old on a college campus I was in the office working Mm -hmm. and I couldn't even talk to people my age because the reality is they um they're students and I'm a full-time employee and there's like this weird barrier there yeah and Interesting. So I did Ooh, that. that's
0: kind of like
1: yeah, it was so weird. Kind of keeps you on your
0: toes. It feels like wrong, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, you want to hear wrong? Because
0: like, that's how you and Hannah met, right? That's
1: exactly right.
0: Okay. Don't tell HR. I mean, you don't work there anymore, so yeah, it doesn't really matter. I but. feel like
1: it, the me and Hannah met because I we were doing a student internship program for students to come and help out with the football program, mm-hmm. and she was going to be one of our interns.
0: I love this story. So I had Hannah on the podcast. Quite a bit of time ago, yeah. and if you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to it. It's more so about, like, creators with, like, management. Mm-hmm. Um, just, like, really interesting. But she shared the story about how you guys met, yeah. and it was like... You did an interview, and then later on, you're like, wait a second, there's uh, yeah. something there. Yep. And now she's literally going to have your baby in a month. Yes. So... Yeah, <laughs> Crazy how yeah. that works.
1: Yeah, you never know. And that's why I always tell people, like, people ask, like, you know, how do you find somebody? And you're and so, like, sometimes it's just life comes together perfectly. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you and Connor worked out that way, so.
0: Yeah, that was a slow burn. That, slow it, burn. it worked out. It worked out all the way from that very first podcast episode. How long ago was that? That was when I first started, so it was. No, when,
1: when did you first meet Connor, though? Because you met him shortly after we talked.
0: Oh, yeah, so or actually. Or you had already talked to him? No, so, How did when when I had my first initial call with you and J1S and you were pitching me and the whole idea was like, let creators create, which is so funny because it's literally on like the mug sitting here. But I remember walking away from that conversation and being like, okay, I don't have any friends in social media. I don't know what this even means. Like, am I bound to a contract if I sign with them? Like, am I signing my life away? I don't know. (laughs) And you said that you had been uh, managing Connor. And at this point, I'm like, ooh. Like, maybe I would meet Connor. Yeah. But then shortly after that, like... So the reason
1: that you're signed with us is because you had a chance with Connor.
0: Well, oh. off the record. Hmm. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but a couple months later, he ended up moving to Austin. And
1: yeah.
0: um, before he moved to Austin, I, like... There's a whole story about like I messaged him on LinkedIn and blah, blah, blah. But anyways, he moves to Austin and then we become friends. And I talked to him for quite a bit of time, honestly, about J1S. Like in those first couple of months that I knew him in, I think we met in October of 2020. And we talked, I believe, in August.
1: Yeah, Um, something like that.
0: Yeah. And so then in February of 2021, like we became better friends. We kind of rekindled. I was in my party girl era. I talk about this all the time. I was going out all the time. And... That was a a good time. Yeah, it was a good time. But then it's also, like, absolutely terrifying because I'll wake up in the morning. I'm like, why did I post this drunk TikTok? Like, I don't think that I'd be able to do that now. I think I have so much to lose that I wouldn't be able to just, like just recklessly. Candidly, yeah, put out recklessly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It was such a liability. So <laughs> in February, I remember talking to him for about it a while about signing with j yeah. And eventually I just decided like, okay, I'll just do it. Because at this point I couldn't really handle doing social media and TikTok, my corporate job. So then I signed with you guys. Mm-hmm. And since I've signed to you guys in the past year and a half, like it's just so weird to think about how much my life has changed.
1: Yeah. It'll be two years in February, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Two years in February. So, um, with J1S. So I want to hear like the background story of how it started, how you went from being at the college, working there, starting J1S, and then it'll bring us to present with, you know, me working with you guys, other creators working with you guys.
1: So I was, as I said, I was in college football for the first five years. And there was a brief stint where I actually left college football and worked for a huge ad firm here in Dallas and oversaw the, the kind of the T-Mobile relationship and, and that side of the business in the sports space, sports sponsorship space. Um, and as a former, you know, somebody that was an entrepreneur when I was a kid and always had a knack for it, I always want to like make big impact. And I was able to do that there. We worked on the NBA deals, UFC deals, and a lot of really cool um deployed like 250 million dollars in media which is yeah. a lot um it's a, that's an insane amount of money these huge brands have huge budgets i mean mm-hmm. um doctor pepper t mobile they're they're spending tens of millions a month and so it was really cool and eye opening to be able to understand like how these brands work what they're looking for what success looks like for them um, what does a boardroom look like when they're making the selections to pay a talent a million dollars? Um, and so learned a lot. And then in 2019 launched J when us, at that time was focused on being a creative agency in the sports, uh, media space. And we won you know, a lot of clients, uh, Oklahoma football, Georgia tech, um, USC athletics is their AOR. Mm-hmm. It was really cool.
0: Yeah, I remember at the very beginning even when I talked to you guys it was kind of focused around like health, wellness, sports, active lifestyle. Active yep. lifestyle. And over the, you know, time it's obviously like evolved. Mm-hmm. So J1S stands for How did you get the name?
1: Yeah, so it it Hannah actually came up with the name and so it's Jones and mm-hmm. if you spell Jones it's J O N E 1 S.
0: So Connor told me that that's what J1S stood for like a couple weeks ago, That's and I was really, mind blown. I had no idea.
1: You didn't know until then. No, I didn't. Yeah, most employees will be at our, our, like, they'll be on staff for like six months before they find out.
0: Yeah, I love it. So, started in 2019 Yep. as a full creative agency at this yep. point. So, you're just creating content then, and you're, so what does that kind of entail?
1: Yeah, we were handling all the social and digital for the actual sports properties. Okay. So, like, what Oklahoma football would put out on social media, the content, the creative, the messaging... Mm-hmm. All of that. Um, USC Athletics, same. For USC football, for you know, two years, everything that came out came through our agency in some form or fashion. And obviously, they have in-house teams, and, and we, we work with them. But yeah, running their social and digital.
0: So as you're sitting in these like board meetings, and you're yeah. hearing about all this money that they have to throw at campaigns, were you just sitting there being like, oh my god, I, could, I should just start my own. And yeah. then they should just pay me. I know how to do it now. Is that kind of what inspired you then to start J1S?
1: I think Han and I, you know, the thing that we get is that we feel like there's legacy, outdated, old leaders, and not to take a shot at kind of the realities of things, but even the talent agencies, they're like, the big dogs are a little bit outdated, they're old, mm-hmm. and we want to come in and change the game, and we think there's a better way to go about it, and so I think sitting there, I realized, I'm like, man, there's just a better way to do this. Mm-hmm. Um and so we, that's kind of, that was kind of the, the, yeah, in some ways I looked at it, I'm like, I can do this and I can do it in a better way.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that's what a lot of people think when they start a business yeah, is you're looking at something and you're like, I could make a better solution for this 100%. or make it more myself. Yeah. So you started in 2019 and then what has been the evolution since then?
1: So in 2019, um, we were a creative agency, did that, that, that business has been running. We still have a huge creative arm to our business. Um, but it, with everything you keep learning and growing, um, we realized that we're really good at talent and being a media agency. So mm-hmm. like a talent representation, that's what obviously Jenna falls under. She, she handles, you know, everything from a representation standpoint, but then we have our media agency side that helps brands consult and figure out what talent they should select. How should they spend their money, mm-hmm. um, and then we recently launched our publisher. So, like, a media publisher, yeah. it, which is Stay Doubted. Um, oh,
0: okay. Yeah, yeah, yep.
1: And so, a media publisher, like, you can think about, like, Vox or any of those. Like, they create their content and they distribute it through their own, you know, mm-hmm. ways. Um, a lot of times now, digital publishers, right? It's on social media and things. But... yeah. And that allows us to put our own talent in our own publisher. We have Allie mm-hmm. Rochelle on Woman of the League. Yeah. Um, three of the five wives on that show, which is produced by our publisher, are also represented by us. Mm-hmm. And so it's a cool way for us to kind of keep our talent and, and put content out and share and keep the ecosystem going.
0: Yeah, it's it's actually so crazy. So I kind of yeah. think of it as almost like <clears throat> Barstool.
1: Yeah, you know
0: kind of like you have podcasts now under your talent and I think it's really cool too that one the thing that like set you guys apart was that I don't know I've talked to other management companies and when I was looking to like sign and take it seriously it didn't really seem like anyone cared about life outside of social media. And Mm -hmm. I think the one thing that really stuck out was if you want to build a brand or you want to have a clothing line or jewelry or makeup or whatever, or you want to have a podcast, you want to start a YouTube, like anything that you want to do, you guys were very um, encouraging of doing it, but also providing the resources to do it. So when I started the podcast in 2021, that was honestly kind of a, what's the word? Like that came because you guys had encouraged me to do that. And I don't think that like a lot of, um, what's it called? Talent agencies do that. They're just kind of focused on like, okay, let's get X number of dollars from this brand partnership on TikTok and Instagram. And then that's it. Yeah. It's the holiday season. It's giving season. And I believe in good karma and giving back whenever I can, which is why I am so happy to be partnered with Macy's who also believes in giving back. They are supporting Big Brothers Big Sisters of America in their mission to inspire youth equity and empower kids to reach their potential. From November 1st to December 31st, you can round up your purchase at Macy's.com and you can find out more about this initiative at Macy's.com forward slash purpose.
1: I think the the reality is you're in this weird spot right now in the in the creator economy, creator Talent representation, where you have legacy holders mm-hmm. um, that transparently, I think are outdated. They have massive rosters of hundreds of creators. Yeah, you're kind of just a number to them in some ways. And then you have um, a lot of boutique shops that are, like, really hyper-focused on, like, oh, you're a TikTok creator, so let me, like, mm-hmm. let me get you all these TikTok deals. <laughs> and, like, they, they put you in a box. Mm-hmm. And for us, like, we really just believe that talent are this should be the center of every marketing campaign. And so when we approach our brands, that's what we always talk to them about, is, like, the reality is the number one form of marketing is word of mouth. Mm-hmm. It's undefeated. Like, if, if I, like, put... A paid ad on instagram that's like talks about a pizza shop and you see that paid ad like 10 times you're not going to try that pizza shop yeah the only way that you try that pizza shop is if i look at you and say hey i just went to jeffrey's pizza it was unbelievable Mm -hmm. you're like okay i'll try it right because i told you and they and the reality is is that talent what you have with your audience the people behind this camera which we're (laughs) so thankful for you are looked at as that friend, that friend that that gives them the recommendations that they trust. Mm-hmm. And so consumers today, our fans, our audiences, they place their buying decisions in the hands of the trust of these mm-hmm. talent that, that believe there. And so for brands to build relatability and be culturally relevant today, you need talent at the center of it mm-hmm. or it just comes off inauthentic. And so we are saying, hey we want to build an agency that like empowers that in every way. And mm-hmm. so for us, like fun on weekdays, the massive impact when you came, we were talking about like building this podcast and all the things that 2023 is going to bring for fun on weekdays. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it was like, think about the impact that you can make on the lives of people. And we want to support and build those ventures beyond just like, you're not just a TikToker. Mm-hmm. You're so much more than that.
0: Oh, thank you. Really hyping me up here, Mike.
1: <laughs> That's my <laughs> thank job. Thank you. That is my job. <laughs>
0: um yeah i mean it was obviously like a pretty easy decision for me to do that but i think it's really cool that you started with one thing and then it led to another and along the way you've just kind of it's not even like problem solving it's just identifying a new opportunity and continuously growing j1s so as you stand how many employees do you have
1: we have almost 20
0: almost 20 employees and we are in your second office correct
1: yep this is our second office
0: so, I went to your first office. Yes. You outgrew that in a year? A year. A year. Now yep. you're here and you're about to outgrow this place.
1: Correct. Yeah, we're growing fast.
0: It's crazy. So, and you guys are hiring, correct?
1: Yep. Yeah, we have like probably 15 open roles.
0: Crazy. What are you hiring for? Anybody looking for a job?
1: Talent partnership roles open, <laughs> um, talent venture roles. A lot of our talent, such as Jenna, are launching businesses. We like... To be honest with you, like that's one of my favorite areas mm-hmm. of of this is on the talent venture side. So there's some venture roles open. There's some brand services role open. You're hiring. Yeah, I mean it's you're just,
0: hiring too. I yes. heard you're hiring an assistant. We
1: have, uh, yes, we have an EA role open. Oh my gosh, um, which is a cool role. I'm I'm, good, I'm really excited for that role because I think people and it'll be here. You're you're hiring a similar type of of role a little bit. Is that people look at that role and they're like, ah, uh, I don't know. I'm like you get. To literally get behind the curtain Mm -hmm.
0: and see
1: so much and like the massive impact. I think it's one of the most critical roles of any business. An executive assistant? Yes. Okay. Because I think an executive assistant, one, is like when Hannah and I, when something gets stuck on my desk, the whole company feels it. Mm -hmm. Right? And so you have a, it's a critical role because it's a role that can help move the actual business forward. Mm -hmm. And such as yourself, like you have so much on your plate. You have so many things that you have the ability to impact and change and do. And so everything just comes down to like bandwidth and time. (laughs) Because the reality is it's like it's such a it's a very fortunate position to be in. But like Mm -hmm. within reason, our roles, we can we can make massive impact if we could just spend enough time doing it. Totally. But a lot of times we run into, you know, we feel like we just can't get there. And so you get stuck.
0: I feel like the bandwidth conversation has just been a challenge from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like I've grown, you guys have grown like a a rate that's faster than either of us can can handle. Yeah. And so it's hard when you're used to having complete control over everything that you've ever overseen, everything you've ever built. So how do you allow yourself to give up control and to give creative freedom to your employees now? Because now you have, 20 plus
1: yeah it's incredibly hard it's so hard I mean to be honest with you like I've started to realize that like you have to start to think about what's subjective and that's like and what ultimately still gets the goal because I think I talk to about all the time is like me and Tino which he's like one of my right-hand guys he's been Mm -hmm. with the company Mm -hmm. since the beginning we now we're here he was one of our third fourth hires like I hate the color purple yeah and he likes the color purple. And so we'll go round and round and talk about the color purple all day. But at the end of the day, like what I would say is like, that's subjective. Me not liking purple is subjective. Mm-hmm. Does purple help us get to whatever the goal is? And if so, then, then I need to take a back seat and just let that happen mm-hmm. and take subjectivity out of things and just say, okay, if that's what we think you know, strategically gets us there, let's do it. But it's hard. It's so hard. And I, I would tell you, like I've had to accept that like, hey, I would rather be 80% and continue to move then I'm trying to do it myself and where you try to be hundred percent because at the end of the day like the 80 percent helped us continue to make a really big impact um and transparently I don't know who that guy is
0: <laughs> some guy just walked into the office I feel like he thought that this was like a live show yeah. Aaron, come on in take a seat
1: yeah, yeah yeah just sit on in the audience <laughs>
0: Well, honestly, um, so if you're watching the YouTube version of this, Mike and I are sitting behind this like very professional round table, like this actually looks like a,
1: like Oprah Winfrey, hard interview, 60 minute.
0: Exactly. And some guy just walks by and walks in the door. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. Anyways, all that to say, it's hard to give up a lot of control over something that you've built, but I feel like ultimately I have come to terms over the past year that I can't do anything else unless I do that. Mm -hmm. It's like a very hard pill to swallow, but I feel like anyone in a similar position, like you can kind of relate to that.
1: Yeah. And you, you have to get there and it's like, you have to have grace. Like we talk at our company a lot about, there's kind of two guiding principles we talk about is, is grace and humility. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you have to be humble enough to understand that, like, I'm not always right. And other people may have a perspective that is stronger, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and have grace for myself and others that like, Hey, all, all we're trying to do is continue to move the business. And I feel like in our society today, we don't have enough grace for others mm-hmm. and grace for ourselves. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, both of us are young. As you said, like <laughs> we've had immense, great, fortunate success over the last three years, but at times, it's, like, so much success that it's hard to actually keep your feet. Mm-hmm. And I think people don't have, like, you, you know, you need to have grace for yourself, too. Like, it, sure. it takes seconds to, like, come to composure. But, um, yeah, I would say for us, I try to focus on saying uh, my goal and, I, and our goal, people always ask, like, how big should the company be? How many people are you going to hire? What do you, what's your vision for that? And I always tell people, like, the day that somebody doesn't enjoy coming into our office and working – is the day I don't want to grow any bigger. Mm-hmm. And because like we spend so much of our lives doing this part of our careers mm-hmm. that if you're not enjoying it, like that's miserable. Yeah. Right? And well, so
0: I mean, back to the original point of Fun on Weekdays, that's why I started this yeah. was because my job was not enjoyable. Yep. So um, coming from somebody who is kind of like at the forefront of creating the office culture and making it a fun place, yep. what does Fun on Weekdays mean to you guys here at J1S? at the office i've
1: always believed in your fun on weekdays mentality like it was and i think you came out with fun on weekdays as you said what did you call your party era yeah your your party era
0: (laughs) yeah party
1: era. i think i've always seen fun on weekdays where i think it is today Mm -hmm. um which is a mentality to live life to the fullest Mm -hmm. no matter if it's a monday tuesday wednesday find a way to maximize that day Mm -hmm. and have have fun like enjoy it and um, I think we try and do that the best we can here at the company. It's tough because it's like, like talent and entertainment is not an easy industry. Mm-hmm. It's sexy and people think it's cool and it's fun. And by the end of the day, it's still growing. It's still always on. Mm-hmm. It's 24-7. Mm-hmm. And so like we have, if you can probably see it on the, on the YouTube version of this, like there's cornhole in the background. We do oh, cornhole yeah. tournaments here. We were at happy hour last night. Um, so the, the, all the girls in the office, which there's like 16 of the 20 year females. <laughs> Um, i have
0: something to say about that and they're all
1: very tall
0: <laughs> yes i was gonna ask yeah. um because we did mention that you guys are hiring yes. i was gonna ask what are you looking for yeah
1: five foot nine minimum seriously Ser- seriously and, and we joke about that but for, for real they our average female height is probably five nine five ten
0: it's actually crazy um i was talking with bridget before you guys got here and I have a picture with like everyone from my anniversary event. I'm wearing heels, yeah, and I'm still like a, a <laughs> head and a half shorter than everyone. Yeah. I'm like, what is it with J1s? You got to be like over five nine to work here.
1: We hire a lot of former athletes.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, well, that makes sense because you ultimately like have a passion for that as well. And it's kind of what yep. the company was like founded on. Yeah,
1: so but. we hire a lot of former athletes, but I think some of it's just coincidental. Marcella, who is like who's our director of talent partnerships. She's, she's the shortest one. She's like 5'3". Yeah. <laughs> I
0: know. And
1: we were looking it up. That's actually average female height. And she's the shortest in the entire company.
0: That's so crazy. How tall re- are you? I'm five three and a and a half. I'm add and a half. (laughs) I was recently measured the other day, and you got the half. Yeah, it's funny because I have this friend Cassie from college, and every single time that I like post a pair of jeans or something, somebody asks how tall I am, and I say I'm five three. She's like, "No, you're not. Like, you are not five three. You're taller than that." And I'm like, "I am. I swear." So I measured myself the other day, and sure enough, five three and a half. It's not bad. So yeah. It's above average technically. Yeah. Technically. technically. By the half. (laughs) Technically. So in terms of hiring employees, you're looking for five, nine or above. No, but really, (laughs)
1: um, I think one thing that we look at is I always tell people that we, we try to find culture fits first Mm -hmm. and then find people that have the experience that really needs to move the business. And, it's tough because when you grow, you change what you look for. At first, you do try to hire just generalists that can do a oh, lot of things.
0: That's, yeah, that's really good. But then way you to look at it.
1: Then you get you have to get to me more more specialists. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just be super transparent. Like now we have multiple talent that have like big ventures that they're launching. You being one of them. You know, we have Meal She Eats, which is another one. We have the Margot business and these talent that we have that are like these are these are eight figure businesses that are being propped up and built. Mm -hmm. And so not that generalists can't help, but you have to bring in specialists to like, like Jenna needs a specialist to help her not continue to scale it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like our, our side is like figuring out that resources and, and the right teams. But I think culture is a huge part of it Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, you can teach people to do certain things. Yeah. um, But are they the right proactive go getter? Do they have the right mindset? You can teach somebody to post on Instagram. Totally. Do they come to work every day with the right mentality is tougher.
0: Yeah. Do they come to work every day with thinking I'm going to have a fun day at work? Yes. On a Monday. On a Monday
1: and a Wednesday. And a weekday. Just not a and weekdays. (laughs) here at sometimes.
0: So this is one of the questions that uh, the girl is sitting on the couch back there asked me to touch on. We want to hear about you working with your wife. Yeah. Obviously, that's a pretty... interesting like dynamic to build a company with your wife and have it like not affect your relationship
1: yeah Um, for people out there um, everyone (laughs) always tells you not to do that (laughs) like literally we get told that every single time like oh wow you started the company with your wife yeah Um, and it works for us Mm -hmm. and I think one of the things that's so special about it is that when you get married you become one and in that oneness your job is to build something together and you build a life and you have kids and, you know, depending on what you want to do with that. But we, our whole lives are building something together. Mm-hmm. And so it's something that we really bond over. And so we don't look at it like, yes, yeah, so the tough times where like we don't agree on something. Yes, it happens every once in a while. Luckily, we kind of have two different sides of the business. So yeah. within reason, we can't, we can have our sectors, but there's something that really brings us together knowing like we're building something that we together make massive impact on change people's lives they change our lives there's this really cool mix in there and then you know we obviously you mentioned it earlier we have a child on the way yeah and (laughs) that's exciting and it it's it's something that we're really proud of to be able to tell sage at some point that hey wait sage yeah sage michael that's
0: his name that's his name sage that's so cute yeah I'm, like, yelling that back there because in hopes that Hannah hears yeah. me. Oh, my gosh. So
1: Sage Michael in hopes that there Sage and comes and, and we can tell him about and give him the life that we've always wanted.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think for us, what also gives us a competitive edge, to be honest with you, is that we are, like, when, when we say that we're a family, mm-hmm. like, we literally are a family. Yeah. Like, we literally are husband, wife, in the business. Family owned. It's family owned. It's family run it's why we have a small roster. Like Mm -hmm. even today, yes, we've grown a lot since when you came, Yeah. but even in retrospect to other talent agencies, our roster is still very small Mm -hmm. and we don't, we don't accept it. Like we get a lot of, we're very grateful for the amount of people that outreach to want to be part of our roster. But like, we enjoy being family run boutique smaller because we get to go deeper and have cool things like this, where it's like, this is, this is surreal to be honest with you. Like I'm Mm -hmm. sitting on this podcast (laughs) and like, you've done so much over the last year and a half and it's it's kind of a proud moment for for me to be like wow like to watch how much you've grown and I feel like if we had this huge non-family-owned type run business like I, it wouldn't hit home as much mm-hmm. and at the end of the day like money's great and everything but it doesn't buy you like the driving here today moment of feeling like wow this is really cool like mm-hmm. this is this is somebody that's had such great success and and to be part of that with you is is special.
0: Aw, thank you. I was like trying to hype you up and then you just turned it around onto me again. You're hyping me up again.
1: Hey, that's again, that's my job.
0: Well, that was a really sweet answer. Honestly, I feel like working with your partner would be really difficult. I yeah. mean, Connor and I don't work together, but like we do in an aspect and it is still challenging. So to work day in and day out and then also go home and then turn off work.
1: How do y'all do it? Because Connor like, is similar to me in the mindset that like serial entrepreneur, you are yeah. as well. Like, doesn't turn off how do y'all like is there something tactically that you do
0: no nothing tactically like honestly it has been the biggest challenge of our relationship we we did an episode about this actually like how to make a relationship work when you're so focused on your careers Mm -hmm. and it's like when you are so passionate about what you're doing which i'm very grateful to be yeah i mean i go in spurts of when i'm like i don't know what the hell i'm doing and i'm so unmotivated but then again like right now i'm in this phase where i'm like okay i'm so like motivated and so inspired right now that when you do have those moments, how do you not talk about that? Like, how do you not go to dinner and just talk about all the ideas that you have? Yeah. And then at the end of the dinner, you're sitting there and you're like, wait, we just talked about work for an hour and a half.
1: Yeah. And then we're gonna go tomorrow and do work.
0: Yeah, but I, I do think that like, it has been a really great thing that has brought us together and like it helps deepen our relationship. Yeah. And at times, like for sure, we should turn it off. I mean, he'll be like laying on the couch and he'll be answering customer service emails (laughs) because he's just like, that's just the kind of person that he is. But I personally see that and I like admire it versus getting frustrated by it because I'm like, I just know that someday if this does work out and we do end up together, like we're gonna have such an amazing life together because of the amount of work that we've done to like get there. And I'm sure you feel very similar, but as somebody that wants to keep this more of a boutique style agency, like how do you continue to grow and scale while still having that, you know, foundation and value? Like, yeah.
1: It's something we talk about every day. Um, It's a priority for me. Um, We look at things. We have to, right? At some point, like if you're going to take this to where we want to take it and have the vision, we believe that we will be WME or UTA. We believe that we're better than they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that again, our principles are humility and grace. So I say that humbly knowing that today <laughs> um, somebody on the executive at, at WME could, could hear that and be like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like that's, I'm a former athlete, I'm competitive. Mm-hmm. And so how do you get to be WME without having the issue of what WME is, which is a big firm that you're just a number at. Yeah. And so we're strategizing. We're figuring out ways that we put people around our talent so that they can still have really deepened relationships. I get nervous with just a single agent. You'll notice like even today, like Mm -hmm. yes, Marcella does a lot of your partnerships, but you're in a group chat with multiple of our team. Yeah. And the reason for that is because I want you to feel the full family. I don't Mm -hmm. want you just to feel like, oh, it's just this one person. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we try tactics to make it. Um, I don't know if we always have the perfect answer, but we're expanding. our our, our uh, We're expanding. This is like breaking here. People are going to be like, wow, why <laughs> did you just announce that? Um, <laughs> you heard it here first. We get so many requests from talent that we just can't say yes to. And yeah. so, and again, I, I say it humbly. It's an unbelievably fortunate position to be in. We're launching a, like a J1S network. Oh, okay. And our goal there is to impact and help change creators that are coming up. Okay. And so, yes, there's creators on a roster like yourself that have so much going on. You have ventures, you have, um, you have your podcast, you have the actual partnership side of your business, you have aspirations that we've been able to talk to off camera that you I'm sure you'll announce yeah. later. <laughs> but for talent that are at a smaller stage and are trying to figure it out, um, we want to have an answer for them. Cause, mm-hmm. cause, and so we're launching a network in 23 that will actually provide like additional resources from legal to accounting to like support systems. How do you charge? How do you not charge? Yeah. And so that's coming to help kind of amplify our Mm -hmm. growth.
0: I feel like that's really smart actually. It kind of reminds me of the creator marketplace on TikTok almost mm-hmm. where like, let's say you guys are running a campaign with Lululemon. Yep. Okay. And Lululemon has a whatever amount budget. Yep. And so you pitched them like what I love about J1S is they literally do it all. So like they'll run Lululemon's Instagram and then Lululemon will be like, oh, we have a holiday campaign. And they're like, okay, let's pitch our creators. Yes. And then like, we'll be a part of it. But we I control
1: like, a lot of the yeah, ecosystem. It,
0: it's, it's full circle here. Yep. But then you might have an opportunity where it's like, oh, okay, well we have X amount of money left in it. Like we want another creator and yep. so I feel like that'd be a great opportunity if you had almost like a network of smaller like up and coming and then they kill it on a campaign yeah. and then helps them grow exactly like, there's just
1: we have so many yeah. brands that come to us and the reality is like fortunately also a lot of times um we'll lose out on opportunities because y'all's rates are just so high and that's a great thing, mm-hmm. but like you bring the value for those rates, but certain brands just can't like fit you into that specific campaign at that time. Mm-hmm. So what do we do with it? Right. And so a lot of, now we have a way to bring it down to other creators that may be able to start getting those opportunities for the first time. Yeah. Um, and educate them on that. And as you said, we we're unbelievably fortunate. We control the ecosystem. A lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times we're the ones that control the dollars and we're happenstance. We also can choose to select our own talent. Mm-hmm. But as you said, um there's creators that that you know we can help in these kind of, what we kind of call like our, our network miners division as they grow yeah it's but now we just have to figure out like what thing and i'm sure we'll talk to our talent about how to get feedback from y'all but how do you create that where you still feel like you're a home for them a family right. to them even though they're not fully on the roster
0: yeah i mean it's just always a battle like again Growing so rapidly yeah. and just not having, like, the bandwidth. But going into 2023, so you have that project and you also have a baby on the way. You we do. You have Sage Michael Sage coming. Michael. So how do you anticipate a baby in your life to change the business and yeah. just kind of change everything? How you have fun on weekdays, how you have fun on weekdays in the office.
1: I, we're putting a lot of support systems around mm-hmm. um, because... I think you said something, and it made me think about this saying that that come recently to me is um, Centino. I think gave it to me was life, life balance. Like, there's no work life balance. It's just life. And, that's a good and, point. Yeah, and really, like, it's figuring out how you manage your life, and part of your life is your career, and mm-hmm. um, so that's really stuck with me. And so we're putting a lot of resources. We're hiring the executive assistant that'll help. We hired a really awesome chief of staff mm-hmm. um, recently. Rachel. You've met Rach. Oh. Yeah, um, she's doing a lot to help. Um, and so Hannah and I are looking at how do we handle, is it a nanny? What does that support system look like? And I think in some ways allowing me to, I think one thing that I think about, my father was, was in the military for 25 years. And so I didn't get to see him much. Mm-hmm. But my dad always made an emphasis that when he was with me, it was the most dedicated quality time he could ever give. Mm-hmm. And so the reality is in our in our careers, and I'm sure you think about this for future your family. Yeah, I'm like,
0: I don't even know about kids. Like, right?
1: What? It's hard. It's hard.
0: I have Quincy. I'm like uh, so much. I, I'm maxed out right now. <laughs> don't ask me about kids. No,
1: I know. And so it's hard because you want to you want to still go on and have a career, but you also want to be able to give your kids everything. And so. My focus is on how can I ensure that I give Sage Michael 100% of me when Mm -hmm. I'm there. And the reality is to build everything else I want to build. And for me to be happy, and ultimately that is what's best for Sage, is for me to be happy because if I'm not doing business, I wouldn't be happy. Mm -hmm. Then he's not going to get the best father. And so I need to balance those two. And I'm focused on when I show up for Sage – he's everything to me at that at that moment Mm -hmm. and putting resources that allow me to do that
0: Mm -hmm. and also also at the same time it's like you can't give up your job too because like I know that is what's going to provide him like his future as well and provide for him it's
1: just it's a balance
0: it's really crazy when I was younger I just thought adults had it all figured out and now no you get there and you're just like wait like I know people (laughs) in their 40s and they don't have it figured out like no one does
1: and that's okay Way too much pressure is put on young, mid, mid-age, mid 20-age mm-hmm. to figure things out. Yeah. I hate that for them.
0: How old are you and Hannah? We're
1: 28, 27.
0: Yeah. That's just absolutely wild to have a business that's like doing so well. How yeah. does it feel? Do you ever... Because I think I get this question a lot. Like, yeah. have you ever conceptualized what you've done in the past year? I'm like, no. no. How do you feel about it?
1: So it's weird for me because as I said, like I've always been... And I'm sure you feel this way. I'm I'm too young for what I've achieved, right? Mm -hmm. Like when I was 16, I sold the company. Like, well, well, that's weird, right? And it was a great exit and it changes everything. But then at 18, I'm hired full-time. to. I was the youngest hired ever in the NCAA history to be hired onto a D1 football staff. Mm -hmm. Super weird, right? (laughs) And so I've been in this for 10 years. I'm 27 and I've been in this for 10 years. And I don't feel like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've been working for 10 years.
0: I was going to say, so Hannah's 28.
1: Yeah, Hannah's older than me. Cougar. I know.
0: Whoa, Hannah. She
1: likes to throw that at me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm on nine, 10 years of, of being in my work life. Okay. And so it's definitely a different like age to work experience moment. But no, I never think about it. And th- I think that's a problem with us, to be yeah. honest with you.
0: I, yeah, I do too. <laughs> I, think we,
1: I think we have a problem there because we don't celebrate our wins.
0: Yeah. I, do you ever feel that? Like I nothing's do. ever enough? See, I think like when I do celebrate, well, no, I I totally agree with you because I mean, let's talk about like the anniversary event. Like, mm-hmm. that was a huge win, but then all, massive
1: win. The only things like, I'm thinking of for are like context, the how big of a win that is. That was six figure partnerships deals, a almost like sell out event after you gone on a tour, essentially, right? You went on a tour. You went tour around the country, and then and still
0: unofficial. That was a, that was a soft launch correctly. for this year, yes.
1: And then somehow still came back to Austin and sold out a massive event. Mm-hmm. You had a like, if people were to saw it, it was like it was a festival. It wasn't even an event, like. Yet you get done and you look around and you're like, you don't feel the. It, adrenaline rush that you expect mm-hmm. and I think that's what's tough about us is we have such a high expectation of ourselves and ambition nothing's yeah. ever enough.
0: I want to know so you've been here from the very start you yep. and Hannah were the first people to find out I was going to do a podcast aside from Connor he doesn't count um so <laughs> yeah he
1: doesn't count Yeah,
0: <laughs> he doesn't count he's not on he's not a part of the team <laughs> so I want to know what do you want to see for the upcoming year
1: mm what do I want to see for the upcoming year for fun on weekdays?
0: Yeah.
1: I'm going to take a cop-out answer, but what I'm going to say is I've continued to tell you, and so for fans that Mm -hmm. that have uh, the ability to shoot Jenna DM, continue to pressure on this, (laughs) um, you have the ability to make such massive impact in people's lives. And sometimes I think you forget that. And so I continue every day, and I think I just hope that Jenna can see and start to feel the, full potential of what she can do. And uh, sometimes I think in your shoes, you don't see that. And I, I'm excited to see Fun on Weekdays continue to start maximizing on the life change that you can make in people. Um, and so that's a cop-out answer because I know some of those <laughs> things that you're going to do to do that, but I don't want to, to, to say them. But I'm proud of you for that. I'm proud that you're starting to see that you can make in your shoes and in your fortunate position Massive life change for people. And I know you're going to do that in 23.
0: Thank you. Again, you guys, this just ended up, this was supposed to be an episode about Mike, but tables have turned. This is just a hype up Jenna podcast yeah. episode, I guess.
1: Hey, that should be the title.
0: <laughs> yeah, hype up Jenna <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Honestly, not a bad idea. And all that to say, too, I, well, I actually have an episode coming out. It'll be the last episode mm. of this year. And so some of the things Mike is alluding to that I want to do for the next year, I talk about in that episode. Big time. So, so some plans for 2023. 20, People need to tune in. And those plans are not possible without J1S. So <sighs> just subtle shout out if you guys are looking for a job. They're based in Dallas. They're yep. a great team. And they have tons of fun here. And they also understand the balance of having fun outside of work as
1: well. So. Yes, we do. And and uh, what makes that job fun is being able to have talent. Like... We're we're fortunate for our position and, and people like yourself that this is our job. Like, we're literally yeah, here for our job right now. <laughs>
0: we're, like, on the clock right now. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it doesn't feel like that. But um, thanks for having me on this podcast. Episode 70, I finally made the cut.
0: <laughs> yes, had to get you in before I the end of it. the year. Glad to have you. Yeah, and. we'll see
1: 2023, big time. All right. Talk. Maybe we, we should do another one next December.
0: Oh, yeah, like a recap.
1: And see, like, that. how much different both of our companies are
0: okay yeah i'm totally into that
1: we'll we'll sit here next 2023 december we'll be having another podcast
0: not at this table we'll be at a bigger office yep yep okay well we'll see you guys december 2023 (laughs) and for everyone else i'll talk to you next tuesday yeah bye